Great to see everyone's smiling faces. Let's go before him and give him our needs. We worship a God who is bigger than our problems. Let's recognize that this morning. Just one word. You calm the storm that surrounds me 
just one word the darkness has to retreat just one touch I feel the presence of heaven just one touch my eyes were open to see my heart can't help but believe there's nothing There's not a mountain that he can't move. We'll praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. No. Just one word. You heal what's broken inside. Just one word. And you revive it. One touch, I feel the power of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see. My heart didn't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a greater things I will believe in greater things there's no power like the power of Jesus let faith arise let all agree there's no power like the power of Jesus I will believe in greater things there's no power like the power of Jesus
this morning.
Amen. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that loves us, cares for us, is here with us? A God that is good, who will never, ever let us down. Let's go to him in prayer this morning. God, we thank you for that wonderful love for us. That while we were yet sinners, you sent Christ to this earth to die for us. God, we thank you for your presence that's here with us. God, we thank you for your presence that is sustaining in every area of our life, no matter what it is that we go through, no matter what season we may find ourselves in. God, we thank you that you love us more than we can ever imagine or know, and that we are able to now love you because you first loved us. God, again, we thank you for your presence that's here. We thank you for a time of worship and a time of fellowshipping with other believers. And God, now we thank you for an opportunity to study your word together. And God, I pray that as your word is brought to us this morning, that our ears would be ready to hear and our hearts ready to receive what it is that you have for us today. And God, we thank you. We thank you for all that you do in our lives and who you are. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. We're excited to be able to share this special time with families. It is a privilege of the church to be able to assist and partner with uh, parents in the training and development of their children, and uh, we look forward to being able to celebrate that today. We had some that were going to that weren't able to, um, but we had a couple in the first service, and this is a special time of the year. If you think about parenting's not easy, is it? I mean, we would admit, parenting's not easy. Is it a cakewalk? No, it's not. But children are a blessing from God, and we have a great responsibility as parents to try to lead them, to grow them up, to point them in the right direction. Um, it's a huge responsibility for us, and we don't take that lightly. And so the act of uh, baby dedication is in keeping with Scripture. We know Jesus was dedicated at the temple, and so we're just following that example. And we're just saying, God, we thank you for these children. And we make a solemn promise as parents and as a church that we together rely on the grace of God and, and his um, Holy Spirit leading us that we will do our best to not mess these little guys up, right? Then we want to raise them up in a way that honors him. Um, and then we pray blessings over these children. And so um, let me just where so I won't get all, everybody messed up. So down on the end, we have um, Luke being presented by his parents, Mark and Kimberly Gomez and the rest of their tribe. Um, not enough to tell you that. And we have Silas presented by mom, Allison Jackson. Um, and we have Briggs presented by parents, Reese and Rachel Hutto. And then, uh, here we go, Nolan presented by parents, Matthew and Christy Winters, Christina Winters. And last but not least, we have Towns presented by parents, Heath and Kate Bellman. And so um, we recognize all of these families this morning, and um, it's uh, indeed a special, special time. So let me read Deuteronomy chapter 6, just kind of as a reminder where this scripture comes from. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is, or the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. And here's the important part. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. The idea is that we take this faith um, and we try to model that for our children um, so that they will grow up to understand and know the same gospel that we have believed in as well. And so um, today what we will do is uh, start with, let's see, let's start with the, the, the promise. We can get these guys out of here. Y'all ready to get off the stage yet? Awesome. <clears throat> so I would ask the parents first, in presenting your children to the Lord, do you promise independence on God's grace and upon the partnership of the church to teach them the truths 
of the Christian faith, to set a Christian example before them, to bring them up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord, and then to encourage them to accept Christ as their personal Savior under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And church, we're not, uh, they're not alone in this. This is a partnership with a church uh, body, and so we have a part in that as well. And so I would say family of living water as we partner together with these families to raise their children. Do you, as members of living water, promise to join these parents in the teaching and the training of these children that they may be led in due time to trust Christ as their Savior and to confess Him in baptism and church membership? Um, do you promise to do your part? Because they're watching all of us. Amen. If you do, would you please signify that by standing and let's pray for these special babies. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of children, or they are a blessing from you. Thank you for blessing these families with these, these babies. Lord, I know that sometimes parenting can be difficult. Because there's so much joy that comes from being a parent and being able to raise these guys. And so, Father, we just say thank you. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for the laughter and the fun that um, in each of these homes and families as a result of these children that are a, indeed a blessing from you. And now, Lord, we solemnly promise as a church and as parents that we're going to do our best, Lord, to live our lives in such a way that would reflect our testimony to guide these little children um, to point them in the direction so that they would kind of understand our faith and our convictions and in due time whether they would come to that same understanding that we have come to, that we understand that uh, this salvation is for us personally and that they would be led in due time to trust you as personal Savior. Father, we make that promise. We want to do our part. We rely on your Holy Spirit um, and your grace to help us to do that. And so, Father, we, uh, we before you today, I make that solemn promise. And, Father, we ask that you would bless these children. Lord, you know all of our destinies. You know everything that, uh, about us. As parents, we can have dreams and hopes for our children. We might even try to direct them in certain areas. But, Lord, you know what they will end up doing in their lives and the, the, Lord, the impact that they might have on other lives around them. And so, Father, I pray you bless them. I pray that you would use them um, for your, your glory and that you would raise them up to be some great young adults um, that in in time, Lord, we would look to them as the leadership, the future leadership of the church and our families. And, and Father, that you would just do an amazing thing through each and every one of them. Give, um, give grace and, Lord, comfort to the families as they um, have the task of raising them up. Lord, that you would just bless them in that endeavor. Bless mom and dad. Lord, what a, a wonderful journey it is to be able to raise these children. And so we ask that you'd be honored and glorified in it. And we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. All right, let's give these guys a hand. You guys. I love getting to do that. It's, it's always a fun um, to be able to watch families do that. And I remember when we did the same thing. And it's a kind of a, I won't say scary, but it's a, a little bit of an intimidating role that we have as parents, isn't it? It's like God gives you these little bundles of joy and you don't want to screw it up. You're like, God, just help me. We don't want to mess this thing up. And so it's always nice to be able to assist families in that. And we celebrate that with them. Um, I thought of a funny little story that I thought about not sharing, but then I've never been known to follow rules. So here it goes. Young boy was dedicated, much like today, <clears throat> in a church service. And when they went home later, the parents noticed the boy around the dinner table was really sad. They're like, what's going on? He was just crying and tears rolling down his eyes. They're like, what's wrong? You should be excited. We dedicated you in church today. This is a, a special day indeed. And the little boy, through his tears, said, but the preacher said that I was supposed to be raised in a Christian home, and I want to live with y'all. <laughs> <clears throat> to my point, it is a 
difficult job as parents sometimes, raising those little guys up and in a way that um, in due time they get to understand the faith like we have and trust Christ as personal Savior. So if you have your Bibles, open with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're in a Christmas season and hopefully you're getting ready for Christmas. But um, as I was kind of considering, um, you know, the children being dedicated today and the text that we're going to be looking at today in Luke chapter 2, I thought of, you know, the excitement that comes to the parents when they find out they're going to be expecting a child. And how, how just they, they, they wonder, okay, who are we going to tell? This great news that we have, who are we going to tell that we're pregnant? And I remember when Rachel and I, the first time, we were like, okay, who are we going to tell? We're going to drive all the way to Oklahoma and tell our family. We're going to, is this before Facebook, before MySpace, probably even before Al Gore invented the internet? Just throwing that out there. This is way back when, and we're like, who do you tell? Tell your friends, tell your family. And then today, some of you guys go way off the reservation when it comes to these big um, announcements, like whether it's the gender reveal, how many of you seen the cool blue and the pink smoke, the balloon release, or if you're a redneck like me, the, the peeling out in the car and the smoke boiling out from under the tires, oh, 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 blue or pink. We have all these different ways that we try to, you know, make this announcement and reveal the gender of a child. One of my favorite ones I watched yesterday, and I'm going to admit, I had some tears coming out of my, out of my eyes, but is a couple that... We're having difficulty getting pregnant, and so they did the in vitro fertilization. And so they recorded, they, they kind of kept a secret for nine months, and they recorded the response of their family and their friends when they revealed to the family and friends that they not only had one child, but they had twins. And it was so cool watching everybody's faces and the shock and the tears, and, and everybody's like, did you steal another baby? I mean, I didn't know you were pregnant with two. And um, it's just really cool to see that exciting way that people would, you know, announce the birth of a child the reality is, is when it comes to making these kind of announcements, good news, we want to share that with friends and families, those that are closest to us, don't we? I mean, we don't just go out and tell everybody. I mean, we have to tell our family before it's Facebook official or we'll get in trouble if we don't tell our family, right? Yeah, that would be bad if mom found out about it after Facebook. So there's this idea that when you have something great that goes on in your life, some good news that you want to share, you share that with those that are closest to you, those that are important to you, because it's a big deal, Right? The cool thing about Christmas, and this is the thing I love about this passage because it's only found in Luke chapter 2, and it's God's announcement. It's the announcement of the arrival of his only begotten son, and rather than send this announcement, this epic announcement, to the, the, the most important people of that day, he sends that announcement to the lowly shepherds. And it's in that there that God, this amazing sovereign God, would give this huge announcement to a bunch of lowly, stinky shepherds that I find a, a little bit of truth. It's the title of the message today, and that is good news for all people. Aren't you glad that the gospel, the good news, is for all people? Amen. So what I want to do is kind of look at this text this morning and break it down into two parts. We're going to look at the, the epic announcement, and then we'll look at the response to that announcement, which I feel like is, is a great model for us today and how we come to Christ. We still follow um, this, this model, if you will. And so very grateful that Luke um, was willing to include this in the, the birth narrative of our Savior, Jesus, that we celebrate every year. And just for, for background, Matthew... Um, talks about the wise men, but in Matthew, he, he really focuses on the genealogy of Jesus. The Gospel of John focuses on the deity of Jesus. Mark leaves the birth of Jesus completely out, and he goes straight to the ministry of Jesus. And so here in Luke, we see the birth of Jesus, and that very night, this announcement that Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, had been born. And so let's look back at chapter 2, verse 1, and I'm going to focus mostly in verse 8, but 
It says, at the time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. Why? Because there was no lodging available for them. It says, verse 8, that night. So Jesus is born, he's laid in a manger, and that very night, let's look at this epic announcement. We'll look at the recipients. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. So what do shepherds do? They live with the sheep. They're out in the fields, just probably a couple miles south of Bethlehem, watching over the sheep. And they let them graze during the daytime. And in the evenings, they would go into what's called a sheepfold, little walls that were built up. They didn't have a gate, but the sheep would go in there, and maybe the shepherd would lay down in the opening of that gate so that he could protect the sheep from you know, predators that evening or keep the sheep from getting out or from somebody stealing the sheep. And so this was a normal routine thing for them is staying out with the sheep. I bet they stunk. They stayed out there with the sheep all the time, and yet it's in that context that we hear about this epic announcement. I want to focus for a moment on who the shepherds were. The shepherds were the lowest of the rung of humanity. I mean, they were the nobodies of that day. I mean, if I'm making an announcement, I think we go to the, the guys at the top, don't you? we got to tell the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, the Levites. I mean, we got to tell the big people, right? I mean, they're important. And they need to be the first ones to know, but God chose to send this very important message to the lowest there. And that gives me some great hope. And all of us are reminded that this good news that Jesus has come, this good news is for everybody. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, you need to know this. The gospel is for whosoever. Say whosoever. And I did some digging one time in the Greek on that word, and it turns out that word means whosoever. And the gospel is for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it is good news, and I don't care where you've been. I don't care your background. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care if you've blown it so many times you lost count, and you're like, there's no way God could ever love me because of what I've done. I've got family members that have been married over 10 times. I mean, who's counting, Right? I'm thinking sometimes they're like, man, God, could you ever use me or ever forgive me or ever, you know, show me this kind of love? And the answer is yes. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you've done, what mistakes you've made. This good news is for you too. That's good news. Amen? So it was given to the shepherds. They were the recipients. And that is an encouragement to us that it's for all all people. Well, let's look at the epicness, if that's a word, of how huge this announcement was. So it says, they were in the flocks, or with their flocks in the field, guarding, guarding their flocks of sheep. Verse 9, suddenly, and I can just imagine it's pitch black, no lights out, maybe they're under the stars. And it says, suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. Boom, there's an angel there. Now, the angel's already showed up and talked to Joseph in a dream. He's already showed up and talked to Mary about her pregnancy and the birth of Jesus, told him what he's going to name, or what she's going to name him. And an angel's already shown up to Zechariah, who would be the father of John, the forerunner of Christ. So an angel's showing up, and this is the first time in a long time that an angel has appeared. May I remind you that this is breaking the 400 years of silence of no word from God. 
So the Old Testament scriptures close with Malachi, no word from God. From that point, it's like he's saying, I'm done with y'all. I'm going to let y'all think about this for 400 years. No word from God. And all of a sudden, in the night, in a field, surrounded by sheep, an angel appears. I'm sure that got their attention. So this angel appears, and then the thing that I don't want us to miss is this. It says, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Now, something that we need to know also is the, the God's glory that accompanied God. It was like God's presence with them over the Ark of the Covenant between the cherub. The glory of God would reside there. And then in the tabernacle days, the, it would look like smoke or it would be just great, great shining light. And so that symbolized the presence of God. God is with us. God is in the camp. And so when God wanted them to move, this cloud would rise up and it would just start moving. They're like, there goes God. And they would just follow him, right? And so they were accustomed to the glory of God being with them. Moses would go um, minister in the tabernacle, and they said he would come out, and his face would just glow from being in the presence of God. The glory of God was precious, it was special, and it was pretty common early on. But there came a season when the glory of God departed Israel. It was like he's saying, I'm done with you, and he departed and so I'm sure that by the time this narrative that we're reading today happens, maybe some have heard the stories that were handed down for generation to generation to generation about the good old days when the glory of God was amongst the people. So this is no small thing that an angel appears and the glory of God surrounded them. I bet it was like bright daylight in the middle of the night. Now, how many of you know that if you were there, you'd be probably freaking out by now? Because that's exactly what happens when, you know, there's a couple times in Scripture where people were afraid. It's when an angel approached them, they would, like, pass out. That's an angel. And he'd say, do not be afraid, almost all the time. Or when they saw the glory of God, they would be afraid because this is this holy presence of God. And this kind of helps me, in my mind, reconcile some of these stories I hear about people saying, hey, I died, went to heaven, and me and God were just hanging out, chilling. I'm like, no, I don't think so. Isaiah says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, right? I live among people with unclean lips. When you're in the presence of God, there's something about the holiness of God that points out the sinfulness of humanity. And so naturally, when the angel appears and the glory of God surrounds them all, I bet it's like bright noon, if you will, in the middle of the night. And so naturally, they were afraid. They were terrified. Verse 10 says, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news. So what is this good news? He says this good news will bring great joy to all people. Say all. So this good news is going to bring great, great joy to all people. Good news for all people. The Savior, verse 11, yes, the Messiah, the Lord. So who's the Savior? The Savior is the deliverer. That's what that means, to deliver. I'm sure they were probably thinking um, short-sighted. We're under Roman occupation, and uh, you know we're, we're kind of... Uh, subservient to Rome, and so, man, we need deliverance from them, but we know the, the whole gospel is that we are slaves to sin, and God's good news is that Jesus is the Savior that saves people from their sins, and that's what the angel's saying, hey, Jesus, the Savior of the world, yes, Messiah, the one that your prophets have been prophesying about for years, that one, he's born today. I love that. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Not in a hotel or in a house, but you're going to find him in a manger. Let me just take an ADDHD moment, whatever you want to call it, and pause. So think about this. How many of you got your manger set up in your Christmas scene at home yet? 
Shame on you, nobody. Come on. All right, so, so at the manger scene, what do we normally see? We see animals. We see baby Jesus in the manger. We see Mary and Joseph, and we see shepherds, and we see, how many see wise men? All right, let me just clarify something. That doesn't happen for a couple years after the birth of Jesus. So the wise men come along later, so it's just Jesus, Mary, Martha, the animals, and the shepherds at the manger scene. So go home and take those guys out and toss them and say, wait your turn, right? Because it's not time for them yet. So he says, you'll recognize him. He'll be lying in a manger. So it's going to be easy to find in this little, this little village called Bethlehem. Look for a barn, and you'll find a baby in a manger. That's going to be the sign. That's where he'll be. In verse 13, I like this too because back to the epicness of this announcement, suddenly the angel, not to be freaking out because there's an angel, but it says he was joined by a vast host of others, multitudes of others. It says the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And so this thing was over the top. And if you're a shepherd in the field with your sheep and you're seeing this bright light and this impromptu choir like, glory to God, and it's cool, right? And, and just like this, it's gone. It's back to crickets. After the angel leaves and they look at each other and they're thinking, we probably ought to go check that out. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? And so they had this epic announcement, and in verse 15, it looks at the response to this announcement. To the shepherds, what is the good news? What is the message? It's that the Savior, the Messiah, the one that would save us from our sins, yes, the Messiah, Christ, the Lord, is born today. So verse 15 says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, that was pretty cool. I don't think they said that, but that's just my interpretation of it. They said, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. It says, they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, you know, the choir in heaven, the lights, the angel of the Lord, the announcement. It says, what the angel had said to them about this child, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Wow. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. This time of the year, we sing the song, Mary, Did You Know? And I always wonder, how much did she know? She knew some, because the angel told her, you're going to give birth to the Messiah, the Savior. He's going to save his people from the sins. You name him Jesus. She knew some. But did she know all of the other stuff that would come along with this baby Jesus, that he would raise someone from the dead, he would heal the blind, cause, or cause the blind to see, heal those that were lame, he would feed 5,000 people with a happy meal? I mean, did she know all of this stuff? So she pondered it in her heart. All that she was hearing, putting that together with a message that she had received from the angel, and no doubt from the dream that Joseph had shared with her about what the angel had revealed to him in the dream, and all this stuff collectively together, it says that she pondered these things in her heart and thought about them often. Verse 20, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I love this narrative. I love it because it shows us this special announcement of God's only begotten son coming into the world was giving to the, the nobodies of the day that this good news is for all people. I love the, the, the over-the-top epic way that he made this announcement. I'm sure it got everybody's attention, and it was something worthy of talking about to everyone. 
But as we look at the response, I want to just kind of slow down and go back through that again and look at the response of what they did with this announcement and consider how we today, when we hear about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we follow some of the same steps even today modeled by these shepherds. First off, they heard. They heard the message. They heard the announcement. They heard the proclamation that Jesus is born. Now, I mean, you know that most of us have probably heard the gospel a time or two. I mean, I was raised in church. I've heard the gospel preached a multitude of times. And, you know, just you hear it over and over and over again. I've heard the message. In fact, I would say there's people on the planet that have not heard it, but most likely there are a lot of people on the planet that have heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, you got radio, you got internet. I mean, they've, they've talked about planes dropping leaflets over these, you know, people groups that they can't access, you know, on foot and it's like the gospel is out there. It's been heard by many, many people, but there's a very important step that goes beyond just hearing the good news. See, the next thing that these shepherds did that I think we need to understand in verse 15, it says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go. You know what that tells me? They believed what they heard, right? So the message, the announcement was given, so they heard it, but then for them to put actions to what they heard, that's, that's faith, right? They took a step of faith, and they believed what they were told. Therefore, they said, let's go, and they left their sheep. I don't know what it took to do that. I'm sure they had to scramble and get another shepherd from a field nearby to come and watch over their sheep so they could go to Bethlehem and check things out, but they did it hastily. They were in a hurry. They're like, we got to go check this out, and they, they heard the message, and they believed. How many know that that's still true today we hear the good news but it has to make that journey of about 18 inches from our head to our heart it has to make that journey where we not just know the good news that God loved us enough that he sent Jesus but we have to appropriate that by faith personally for us we have to say God I believe that gospel is true even for me I'm like that shepherd the lowest one on the rung and that good news is for me too that's good isn't it so we hear the good news and we respond to it, we believe, and we take a step of, of faith, and we just appropriate that by faith and say, God, I believe that gospel to be true, and I receive that for myself. Very important, very important step. You hear me say all the time in this church, the most important decision we'll ever make in life is not where we live, not where we go to college, not who we'll marry, but what do you do with Jesus? What do you do with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Can I tell you, um, we had a, a family member in the church that passed away on Friday, 55 years old, devastating, broke my heart. Saw him in the hospital. They were doing amazing early in the morning, and they were no longer with us in the evening. And it just really gets you thinking about the brevity of life and how fragile life can be. And so when I say the most important thing that we can do is place our faith in the gospel, I'm saying we don't wait on that. We don't tarry on that. This, this person was a believer, and that's the, the hope that we have and the celebration because they, they knew who they belonged to. They belonged to Christ. And so hear me saying this. We hear the good news, but we respond to it. We believe it. Very important step. Amen? Next, it says, well, so they said, so let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby, just like they had said, Lying in the manger. This is after seeing him, the shepherds told. So here's your next thing. They told. They talked about it. They testified of what they heard, what they had seen, and they began to share all the details of the announcement that they had received from the angels. It says they told everyone. I'm sure you couldn't shut them up. 
It was so over the top. They're like, man, we got to tell everybody. This was cool. This is why I don't think he took it to the religious people. Because they'd have been like, well, of course he told us first. We're the religious people, right? And they're not going to be excited about going and telling everybody what they had seen and heard. They're like, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's why he went to the shepherds, because the religious people would have screwed it up. And so he takes it to the shepherds, and the shepherds are pumped, man. They believe the message, and they're telling everybody what they've seen and heard. I think sometimes we can fall short there. When it comes to this great news that you and I have heard and hopefully all of us have believed in the gospel and the hope that comes from that decision and the hope of eternal life that comes from that. There should be something in us that says, hey, I don't want to hoard this. I don't want to hold this to myself, but I want everybody that I love to know this same good news and respond to it the way I have. Amen? There's this phrase that says, we tell people about Jesus, and if it's necessary, we use words. That is our life. Our life is a reflection, it's a testimony to the, the salvation that we receive through the gospel, and, and we should live differently, right? And our lives should be so different that people just look at us and say, you're obviously not normal like the rest of the crazy people on the earth. There's something special about you. Tell me about it. Boom. Opportunity. Tell them. I don't know what to tell them. I once was lost, now I'm found. God's love found even me, Right? They heard the message, they believed it, they told. Do you know that they were the first evangelists? Think about that. The first evangelist was a stinky sheep herder, a shepherd, telling other people about Jesus, about the good news that Christ had been born. And lastly, and I think this is the biggest form of rebuke that I struggle with in this season, and can I just be transparent and honest with you? Christmas time for some people is not fun. Anybody else feel me? It's a stressful season. It's the most wonderful time of the year, they say. But if you were raised in a family where there's a lot of dysfunction and maybe you had a bad memory around Christmas time, it's, it's a struggle sometimes to be able to say, let me get pumped and excited about the most wonderful time of the year. The reality is it's hard to do that sometimes for some people. Maybe nobody else in the room. But sometimes it's just difficult. And I see the response of these guys. They were not only telling everybody what they had seen and heard, but they left that meeting with Mary and Joseph having seen the Messiah, Jesus, and it says glorifying and praising God. I'm sure there was a bounce in their step. I'm sure their minds were focused on all just the awesomeness of what they'd experienced. And like after 400 years of a drought of no word from God, he showed up big time just now, and we saw it. God, you're so good, right? To, to glorify means to extol, or excuse me, it means um, positively to acknowledge or to esteem the character, uh, the attributes, or the nature of someone. And so just to positively attribute, acknowledge that God is good. How many know God's good? And, and even though we go through difficult things in life, we can say, you know what, God is still good. Even though I'm experiencing some hardships, the Bible says in this world we're going to have troubles. I get that, but God's still good, and he's still in control. And God, I just want you to know, I extol you today. You're, you're so good. I think some of us need to remind ourselves to always be mindful of that, especially this time of the year. God, you're so good that you loved us so much. Us. And I know me better than anybody else on this planet knows me, and that God would love me so much that he would send his only begotten son to die on a cross because of me? 
in place of me to pay for my sins so that I could be put back into a right relationship with God the Father, that's good news. And we should extol the greatness and the love, the attributes of God. God, you're so awesome, right? So do you think about that during this time of the, the year? God, you're so awesome that you would love us so much that you would send Jesus. They also praised him. The praise gets a little bit more louder. It gets a little more outside. You know, we can extol internally like, God, you're so awesome. You're so worthy. And you're so, man, this is amazing to me that you would love me so much to present your son in my place, all that stuff. But when you praise, it's like, okay, now to, to praise is kind of like to make a big deal about somebody. To make a big deal about God or to extol the greatness of a deity or the work of a deity is an act of worship. It's like, hey, I just want to, I just want I want to say out loud, God, you're awesome. That should affect us in our time of praise and worship too, right? When we come into God's house and we're listening to these songs, it's not a concert. It's not an opportunity for us to go back and go, yeah, band sounds on today or not on today, whatever it may be, but we're just here waiting for Shane to preach. Maybe you're not waiting. Maybe you were done after the worship and you want to go home, but you have to stay here. I don't know. But when we gather together for worship, there should be something in us that says, hey, this is my opportunity personally to say, God, I glorify you and I praise you. Amen? And here's a secret for you. It doesn't have to be your song. <gasps> I know I said it. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't worship to that music. It's not about that. I didn't get much out of worship today. Good. We weren't worshiping you. We were worshiping him, right? He's worthy of our worship, right? He's worthy of our praise. And as I see this example laid up for us in this narrative with these shepherds, I'm like, man, what a beautiful picture of this, this epic announcement, and this message that is still, church, still, even 2,000 plus years later, still good news. That Jesus Christ has come. That he died on the cross for the sins of the world. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's good news. Still good news, still going. And so I don't care where you've been, what you've gone through, where you feel like you find yourself in this. Like, hey, I felt like the walls were going to fall down on me when I walked in the church today. I've had people say that. They're walking like this. I'm like, it's built well. You're good. You're good. But some people are just like, man, I, me and God are on the outs. I don't know that God loves me. I don't know that he cares for me. I know what I've done. He knows what I've done. And I just don't feel like he loves me. Can I just tell you, it's good news. Yes, he loves you too. It's for all people. But what you do with that message, that announcement, is extremely important. And I just want you to know that the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And that message is still the same. In fact, years later, Romans, Paul would say this, talking about salvation is for everyone. He says, for Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. So under Moses, it was all the commands of the law. But faith's way of getting right with God says... Don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to the earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, this says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and it's in your heart. And the message, excuse me, and that message is the very message about faith that we preach. Here he goes. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's good news, isn't it? For it is by believing in your heart that you've been made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are same in this, res in this same respect. 
They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Verse 13, for everyone, for everyone, say everyone. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The question is, have you unwrapped the gift? What a sad thing it would be to know that God has presented to us this epic gift of all gifts, and it's under the tree with your name on it, and he's just waiting for you to personally unwrap it. I wish I could unwrap it for you. Sometimes as a parent, I wish I could unwrap that gift for my children, but the reality is it's a personal. Each one of you have to unwrap the gift yourself. To believe the gospel, to place your faith in the gospel. Have you received Christ today? Have you placed your faith in the gospel? Because it is good news. And I would say if you have, that's awesome, that's great. But let this season, let this time um, that we celebrate the birth of Christ be a reminder of just how epic that gift is to you and to me. And let it just change the way we respond to that. We have heard and we've believed, hopefully. But let it be reflective in our lives as we leave this place. As somebody walks up to you and says, Merry Christmas, and you feel tempted to punch them in the face, it's like, you know what? It really is. Amen? The reason for the season really is. And so I would say, tell people. Shane, I don't know what to tell them. Well, live your life in such a way that it's just obvious to them that there's something about you that's special. You know, you, you tell them about Jesus, and if you have to, you use words. And you're like, Shane, I don't know what words to use. I never went to seminary. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know where to go in the scriptures. I, I just know I was a messed up dude. And I placed my faith in the gospel, and he saved someone like me, a wretch, the old song Amazing Grace says. And if he can do that for me, I believe he can do it for you too. Amen? Tell somebody. And lastly, I'd say, let the good news of the gospel cause you to glorify God, to positively acknowledge, God, you are good. No matter what goes on around me, you're good. If you give me nothing else, salvation, eternity with you after this life is over is enough. Positively acknowledge him, recognize his goodness, his greatness, and praise him to extol the greatness of God in an act of worship. And so, you know, I'm not asking us to get crazy. I've been in a few, I was raised in a few crazy churches. I'm not asking for crazy, but I think it's okay for us to celebrate the gospel. I think it's okay to clap your hands. The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a, a voice of triumph. Praise him. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. He doesn't say you have to be on the right key, right? Some of you are like prison singers. You're always behind a few bars and you never have the right key. But the, the reality is, is this make a joyful noise to the Lord. We can have a joyful noise in the house of the Lord today. We can praise him because he's worthy. Amen? Amen. Aren't you grateful for the good news? Ah, good news for all people. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the good news. Thank you for um, inspiring Luke to include that one little narrative there that shows us how you reserve this great announcement, not for the ones that society would have said are worthy of receiving it, but you gave it to the, the lowest, the lowly shepherds. Lord, you, were, you presented this uh, beautiful announcement to them. And Lord, they didn't skip a beat. They ran with that message. They were changed as a result of that message. And I pray, God, that we, too, um, having heard the good news, that no matter where we've been, Lord, what we've done, that you still love us, and the gospel's for us too. And Father, we just acknowledge that we're sinners. We acknowledge that our sin separates us from you, and the only way to be made right is by believing in the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. 
and placing our faith in him. God, in confessing you as Lord, personal Lord, you're in control. I hand the keys over to you. God, I pray that if there's someone in this room today that has not done that, today would be the day of their salvation. That today they would just take that step of faith and trust you, Lord, with their lives. For the rest of us, God, I pray that it would just change our perspective this time of the year. That we would realize just how great of a gift that you've given humanity and your only begotten son. And Lord, how amazing your love is for all of us. You loved us so much that you gave your only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you for the gospel. Lord, let that be evident in our lives as we leave this place today. As we go to our workplaces, school, family, gathered, all the junk that goes on around us. That we would not lose sight of just the goodness of this season. And that we would uh, Lord, glorify you in our hearts. And we would even... Get confident enough to praise you publicly because you're worthy. Lord, you're worthy of all praise and all worship. Father, we ask that you would go with us now. I pray that you would be with those families during this season. It is difficult. God, maybe you can give them a new tradition or a new uh, special memory that makes Christmas from here forward special for them. For those grieving the loss of loved ones, and this is just a painful reminder that they're not there, Lord, would you please just give them peace and comfort? Surround them with your presence. Lord, for the rest of us, as we consider the brevity of life, that we would redeem the time that we have. And as I said, the most important decision we can make is trusting you. Lord, that today would be the day that we step across that line. We believe in you for salvation. I humbly ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.